listeners to a fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings. Uh, I'm really excited to have our guest on the show today. I'm really excited to be discussing their work. Joining us today, we have Elson Bankoff, who is the writer and director of a new play, If the Bells Would Ring. Um, and it's a crisis story by uh, Elson Bankoff. And it's currently playing at the tank. Oh, I shouldn't say currently. It's playing this uh, upcoming weekend at the tank but it's an incredible incredible story a timely story and i'm so excited to get into it uh with her so elson welcome to whisper in the wings by stage thank whisper. you so glad you're joining us um as i alluded to this is a crisis story um an incredibly timely story could you tell us a bit about your show yes okay well first of all thank you for having me you know we are i'm happy i'm humbled to be um, talking in the theater space. I I don't, I mean, I could talk about this later, but I don't do a lot of theater and it's really cool to just like be immersed into this very welcoming um, community. So yes, If the Bells Would Ring, two-act political drama. It follows a Midwestern senator named Bill Corley and basically his whole career and sort of how he becomes corrupt by corporate greed and also then he has a daughter and his daughter basically it follows her teenage years and sort of her youth and how she sort of becomes I guess radicalized for lack of better word to care about this like very timely um, important issue as many young people do and um, yeah so then it, there's all these other characters and there is like this lobbyist there is a named Alec which is an allusion to the American Legislative Exchange Council, which is this bad thing, you know, you should look into it in your own time. Um, and then there's Jennifer Clyde, or like a Laura Ingram, like Tucker Carlson figure. Uh, you know, she's great, super charismatic, but you love her, but you hate her because she sucks. And then there's like um, Juliet's younger sister. There's the wife. It's a story of family, of passion, of of resilience and greed and... Um, Basically, just what happens, I always say this, um, it traces power from a handshake to a hurricane. So it, I love that. It's it's fun. It's good because the point, so the point of it, um, and Andrew, I don't know if you're going to like ask a specific thing, but like if we're doing a conversation style thing, like the point of the play is just to, I wrote it because I wanted to understand like, how do people get to the point where like, people are even thinking about the fact that we need to do something about this problem. Like, why is it even political? Like, why uh, do you have people filibustering for hours and hours just to block legislation? Why do you have like people, politicians who are elected to represent the people going against the exact things that people want just to stay in office and just to, you know, get the money and the funds to maintain their career. And it just, you know, I like went around and I shifted it a lot, but this is the story we ended up with and it follows the modern day climate movement and um, which I'm so grateful to be a part of. And yeah, that's, that's it. There's a lot that goes on though. So you should see it and better summary. I love that. So you, you alluded to kind of my next question, which is, you know, you, you wanted to write something about the process the, the negative process that's happening in Washington, especially regarding the filibuster and how these politicians would go against the people's will. But how did you land particularly on the climate crisis? So um, so basically I don't, this is the first play I've ever written. Um, I 
am very heavily invested in like this movement. I organize with Fridays for Future. Um, I'm also, I'm from Washington, DC, so I don't even live in New York, I live in DC. And so very political sphere. Um, I learned about climate stuff at like a fairly young age. I like read about it. It was like sort of around, I was really interested in like the STEM aspect of it for a while. I like was super like big into like hydrogen cars and like all of that kind of thing. And just sort of like engineering renewably and all that. So I sort of was exposed, this was in like middle school. I was like very exposed to these issues at like a very, very young age. And cause it honestly terrified me and it really like infuriated me that no one was doing anything about it. And then as my interests progressed, um, I, it sort of shifted from like, oh, I want to directly be the one to invent something to solve this to like, wow, actually like everything kind of has been invented and like, but you still have the temperatures rising every year and like people outwardly denying that it exists and stuff like that. And then it sort of shifted to like, okay, people sort of think it exists, but like they're sort of tricking us into thinking that stuff's actually being done when it's not, um, at least to the rapid extent that we need it done. And then it's like, well, how do you get so many people to care at once. And then I was like writing, um, movie making, you know, like art, advocacy. There's so much that you can do to be loud. Um, and it's hard as a young person. I just turned 18 years old and wow. like, it's been hard to like, you know, be heard as a young person. And the movement's just been all about like trying to find ways to get people to be like, oh shit, yeah, this actually matters. And that's sort of what we're trying to do. And then the play was just the newest version of like, what can I do? Like I've, I've done, I've led like 500 people to a strike. I have like, I have this magazine I read called Ecosystemic Magazine, which is like co-sponsoring the show. And like, there's like all this stuff people are doing and everyone's so like, I, I don't even, I'm not even doing the most, like people are so talented and doing all this really impressive stuff. And then like, I was like, there's no theater. Like we should, someone, someone ought to write a play. And then I, I wrote a play. I can't believe that you're 18 years old and you're doing all of this. Like you are exactly the reason why I have so much hope for the future. People <laughs> like you are actually just doing so much good. So that's incredible. That is absolutely amazing. Thank you. Good for you. It was fun when I turned 18 because we had all these rules on set about being a minor. Like you can't walk outside alone if you're like a minor. And it was like, okay. And then I turned 18. I was like, I can walk outside now. And it was like really fun. <laughs> That was my oh, yeah. biggest accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, I got the rights to the show. We opened an LLC. That was that was a fun 18th birthday activity. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was fun. So, what was it like developing this show? Oh, it was it was crazy, Andrew. It was it was a lot. So, I wrote it when I was 16, and I wrote it like in the pandemic, sophomore year of high school. Like everyone was at home and low key miserable, but I had to like keep myself busy. So I was like. You know, I've been wanting to write this play for a year and I thought of the name before freshman year of high school. I thought of the name first and like I could explain the name more, but honestly, it's about passivity. It's about like just well, there's a whole poem and it's explained. I won't I, you have to come see it if you want the name explained. So um, I, I thought of the name and I didn't actually start writing it until a year later because I didn't have time. Pandemic hit, you know, had a lot of time, had to fill it. So I wrote it as a screenplay first because I was really into screenplay writing and I had written one before and I was like, well, let me write it as a screenplay. Wrote it as a screenplay. It sucked. I didn't like it. It was very objective. It was very like, and then he filibusters and here is him filibustering and his daughter is mad. And then it was just 
it, it was so serious and on it wasn't entertaining enough so it's like how do i make something that is just inherently not entertaining and actually tragic and like kind of like really heavily complex and like hard you can't mess it up like how do i make that entertaining and i'm like well i can have poetry in it so i start learning about poetry and i'm like okay i don't know anything about poetry but I was reading a bunch of stuff. And I think that my biggest thing with writing is like, as if I read stuff, I write like the stuff I'm reading. So for school, we were reading all the Shakespeare. We were reading like, um, I forget. We were just reading all of this old English literature and like random stuff. I read a lot of Oscar Wilde. I read a lot of like, I don't even know, just so much, so much literature. And then I just started writing because I love writing after I read things. And it just became this like poetry comprised like play. And I think that, it worked a lot better for the show because it's not trying to describe the issues. I think most people kind of know what the issues are because that's what you see in headlines. It's trying to describe like the reasons and the human reasons. It's trying to be like, okay, let's take this Senator. Let's look back on his career because no one's born wanting the world to die. It's not as simple as that. You can't just go at the streets and scream at politicians and say, you want to kill everyone in the world. Like that's not what it is, but that's, sort of what they're doing in a way um, and on a massive scale. So then you have to think like, well, what are the decisions that lead someone to do that? And I think you can only get at that by having them like stand in front of a spotlight and make eye contact with the audience and be like, I don't know where my morals are going, but I'm okay with what's happening right now. Um, and that's like a huge part of our show is like the moral kind of like tug of war um, from all the characters because there's so much happening and there's so much you think of in the moment, but you don't really realize the grander scale. And then it becomes this thing of like, well, guess like now we have climate change. So, yeah. Well, now you've kind of touched on my next question, but I, I, I want to ask it anyway, which is what is the message you're hoping that the audience walks away with from the show? Yeah. So I think, well, I don't expect necessarily the audience to be like a bunch of Republican or conservative Democratic senators and or just generally Democratic senators or anyone like that. I don't think that we're going to get an audience filled of people with power who are going to be really introspective and be like, oh, that's me. Like, she's so right. Like, I got to change my ways. Like, I think it's going to be more like young people, uh, people who are in the theater world, friends of actors, friends of friends. Uh, people who are coming from New York City Climate Week, which we're a part of. Um, so I think it'll be this really big mix of people. And it's not necessarily going to be the most passionate people. And it's not going to be the most like aggressively against us people. So it's sort of like, I I really believe like, the, like I don't want to, I don't ever try to waste my time trying to change people's like minds so much as I try to get people who are indifferent to start to care because i think that's where the numbers really are especially with the movement you can really just get people who like oh like, yeah sure climate headlines like yeah this is bad to really be like no way like come on people actually do that like because this is all based on real stuff and like it's just terrifying to see and i think that there's an emotional sway that art can have and performance can have that really just let people resonate and start to care about it. So I really hope a people, sorry, that was a long answer. Hope people care about it. I want to inspire more people and not just young people, like just everyone to start caring about it. Be like, oh yeah, and I, I saw this show and like, it was really cool. And it made me think about this a lot and I'm into it. Like, this is what happens with our actors. Like they start, they're, they care about it now. They're always going to care about it. Cause like they put their lives into this show. And like, it's really cool to see that. And I hope the audience can get the same thing. I also hope like 
um, that, you know, they, that more, this isn't necessarily the audience, but just the industry, like we have these two climate shows happening and I really just want them to be the first. I want to go on a longer run. I want other people to see it and be like, yeah, we can do that too. Like we can find ways to integrate this messaging into, because like, you know, Broadway is an industry just like anything else, just like fashion, just like, like transportation, just like, I mean, you know, different levels of impact with climate stuff, but like, it's like an industry and, you know, you have to really be conscious of that. And I think that introducing a climate play um, into the theater sphere is like an important thing. And I would hope that some of our audience members can bring back good words to the industry. So, yeah. Now you mentioned you, you know, you don't think you're going to get people all say for the far right, necessarily far people from the far left, probably people kind of in the middle. Is that who you hope have access to the show or is there a specific audience member you hope, you know, who do you hope have access to the show? I mean, ideally I want everyone, I want it to be, you know, those like timeless pieces of art that it's sort of like, doesn't really matter what you care about. It just like, you just know about it. Like, it's just like, oh yeah, duh. Like, I, I don't know what you would say. Like, I feel like there's so many ones. Um, you could say like rent, like happened during the AIDS epidemic like you could say like there's just certain shows and pieces of art that everyone is like obviously that was a moving show about this said political issue and like I kind of hope that that happens to a degree of like there's just not enough of that with climate stuff and so people don't really have a reference besides saying like Greta Thunberg and don't look up so then you have like there's not really like a cultural kind of um like pop culture awareness of this issue. It's sort of like, oh, all of the climate activists care about this sh- this thing, but like not many other people do. So, I mean, specifically, I think it'd be really cool to get some policymakers to come. Like I think local politicians, this issue, like people don't realize this enough because it's so much like yelling at world leaders. It is such a local issue. Like you, you gotta talk to your local like representatives, like that's what's gonna, if you're not gonna get like a Green New Deal I don't think, you know, off the record, like, I just don't, we don't have time to like, oh, only be pushing for one federal Green New Deal. Like you've got to talk to your mayor and be like, hey, can we do a housing Green New Deal and stuff like that? Um, And I I don't know, I think it'd be really cool to get some local elected officials, if not for this preview, hopefully if we go another one, then um, it'd be really great to get some people in the entertainment industry. Uh, It'd be really great to get some, I think like older people, generally like parents, like people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, um, have kind of the patience for that. And the young people have the energy. So, you know, they're doing their, th- we're doing our thing. And I would love to have the time of two hours of somebody's time who might not really care about this. And yeah. I think you nailed it right on the head. You know, a lot of the real change, a lot of the things that affect us really starts on the local level. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen on the federal level that comes down to us, but the biggest change can happen right on the local level. That's why it's so important to care about those kind of things. You know, that's that's where a lot of the governing takes place. Yep, exactly. And it was interesting because Build Back Better, all this stuff with Build Back Better happened like literally a year and a half after I wrote the show. So you have like Senator Manchin filibustering this like climate bill, granted not enough, it's never enough, but it was, it was substantial. It was Biden's big thing. And like, he's like ripping this thing to shreds and like a Democrat and everyone's like, what's going on, Joe Manchin? And, and everyone was like, and people who read the play were like, Elson, this is literally like Bill Court. Like you're literally, how did you, like, why did you predict this? 
And it was sort of eerie because I was like, guys, no, I didn't. It was not. I'm just saying like the point, that's the point is like it keeps happening. And no matter what, like it's going to happen again if we don't. And it's so so the critique is also not really about like the specific politicians. It's about like just this system that enables people to like the institution of like electoral politics and of, of like allowing oil companies and like money to influence the democratic process it's like a huge issue that like if we don't solve that then you don't really get to solve the other stuff and then you have like massive ecological crises and yeah so i don't know that wasn't an answer that was just a random tangent but yeah no but it's an important one say it again for the people in the back i'm just saying yeah These are democracy important. dies in dark money shift a little from the show and shift a little bit more to you because on our show we not only discuss uh the shows themselves but we talk about our own personal experiences in the theater and i want to start by asking you what shows in the past have maybe inspired you or do you love and i'll also open it up to writers and composers if you have any of those as well that's great okay so i'm not i will say it i will say it transparently i'm not a broadway fiend i don't know much but (laughs) So, okay, there, I was inspired by different people at different times. The writers, man, I am the biggest Lauren Hill fan of all time. Like, and she does music, mm-hmm. but she has this one rap called, and it was at MTV Unplugged called The Mystery of Iniquity. And like, she goes on this like impromptu rap thing and like basically explains like all the problems with the legal justice, like the court system in like this rap. And it was like, mind-blowing like i listen i've probably listened to it like thousands of like i it is just incredible and then that made me be like oh my god i want to make this thing rhyme because she how did she manage to make me care like obviously i care like i don't know like but like yeah i care about like the criminal justice system and all that but like she made me be like no like like fuck the criminal justice system sorry can i curse is it like no you're fine yeah okay but anyway, yeah, well, anyway, I, I don't, I don't digress. Fuckly, the criminal justice system, like, but the way she said it, like, the way the words would hit on beat and the way that, like, not even, there were hardly beats. It was, like, a guitar strum, so it was, like, a poem. And that made me care about the poetry level. I was, like, wow, every single word can take on so much meaning, and you can describe this comp- totally mundane thing and then have it be so humanized through, like, rhyme and through, like, um, po- like poetry verses and stuff. So I really wanted to make it a poem after that. Um, I will say Hamilton. I was a ham. I, I, I just you, you got to respect Hamilton. Like, I mean, I like that's why I did the disclaimer because the Broadway people are probably gonna be like, eh, like mainstream. But I don't know the for, for when I was directing it because I also directed it and I never directed really before. Um, but I sort of had it was also political drama. Hamilton's very political, um, and it has these backdoor deals. It has these like things happening in it. So when I was directing it, I like would watch the Hamilton thing and be like, oh my God, like, yeah, the, the thing with the clinks of the glasses and then people sort of peel out and there was like this symmetry to it. Also, Tommy Kill like went to my school. Like, I don't know, like it's it was sort of cool, that level of it. Um, And so there's like this symmetry and like choreography about it that I was like, oh, we could do that in a play. And um, then what else? I mean, I love James Baldwin so much. 
Um, he's just incredible. Like I read Giovanni's room this year and it just like impacts like when I, again, when I read good things, I write good things. So I don't know. James Baldwin's great. Uh, I love angels in America. Like God, I want to see it in person. I watched the HBO thing. I watched the, the Broadway, the Andrew Garfield thing. Like it's just so great and real. Um, and it made me wish I didn't write some of it in poetry because I love the dialogue in that. Um, and I have so many like more. I just like I love reading things. Like I love reading plays, screenplays. So many. I'm like the biggest Godfather fan. Um, I love the Social Network and uh, Aaron Sorkin and how he writes. Yes, he's incredible. Love Aaron Sorkin. Love, love writing. The West Wing for days. Oh I I haven't like gone and I've seen like a season of the West Wing, but I, I just like the most me thing ever. And I need to watch it because I the social network. I think I've watched like a hundred times. And you can see in the West Wing where he took a step back, like, and he's not writing anymore. You can literally see the seasons he's on. Yeah. Cause it's not that it's like, Oh, it's horrible. But you're like all the, the Sorkinisms, you know, you're like, Sorkinisms. it doesn't, it doesn't hit the same. It doesn't it just, he's brilliant. And I, love him as a writer and I totally it just like makes you re- oh it just makes you like I, I wanted everything to mean something and I think with like playwriting and screenwriting sometimes I don't get as captivated by it because it doesn't mean things it's just filling pages yeah. and I've done when I wrote screenplays and that's why I didn't like the if the bells would ring as a screenplay because it was just filling pages and so I was like how can I make every single word mean something and then I was directing it and I'm like well how do I direct the actors so that they are bringing to life every single word and I am following every single word. And I do like a chills test. I'd be like, okay, I did not get chills there. Like you got to like do, do a pause because when they do a pause, you hear these crazy words and you're like, shit, that means so much outside of the thing that they just said. And then that's what like hits. And then that's what actually makes you care about an issue. So it's down to like the word choice. It's down to the diction. It's down to like all these things. And I've just found like it works so well. Then I am the biggest Bojack Horseman fan ever. That's another example of like, everything and, and they do that with humor which i love they make it in like philosophy they like it's so subtle but everything there's no there are no like empty phrases everything has some sort of satirical or philosophical value and i really um appreciate that so i mean i could go on i have other <laughs> yeah okay i'll end it there onto there i'm an inspired gal <laughs> no that's a great list it's a really really eclectic and great mix of of people there um, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? I don't know, because I've never done it before. It was I did like the musical in eighth grade. Um, but working, becoming my favorite part is that I, I I don't know. It's just like cool to see this stuff I wrote. Like today I was sitting, like I'm sitting in the theater and we were just like talking. Like I, I was just like looking at my computer, like adding in some like sound stuff. And I just like listen and behind me, I just hear everybody in our cast. Like it was like, look at 10 people. Everyone's all dispersed and they're all just like running lines. And it was just this like commotion of like all these words that I was obsessed with and fixated on for like a year and a half. And like my room was covered, like ceiling to floor and these papers of finding out what poems to write and the plot and the characters. And they were just reading it and like, they were like bringing it to life and they were like, no, 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 say that differently. You're like, oh wait, oh wait, oh, sorry, what's my line? And they were just like, we're like fully doing it. And I was like, oh my God, like this is actually like real people saying stuff that I wrote and I didn't know these people two months ago. So 
it's just cool. It's I love how eager everyone is. Like everyone cares about this so much. Like it is what they want to do. And I feel like with activism stuff, like with school, like with most of the things I've worked on that I know of, it's sort of like, oh, sure, I'll, I'll do that as an extracurricular. Like, why not? But this is like, people love it. And you can see that. And it's just so helpful to me and like so moving. So, yeah. It's amazing. Now, I know that you're, you're kind of new to the theater, but have you seen any great theater lately that you might recommend to our listeners? And I... Yeah, so I went, so um, I've, I did a screenwriting, or sorry, playwriting program with this group called She NYC. Uh, they have this program for high school playwrights called Create Her. Even though I live in DC, I did it virtually. But um, so they have a festival every year and I went to two shows of the festival. It's over, so I can't even suggest this to anyone because like it finished. But um, I saw two shows there. I forget what they were called. That's so bad, but there were a ton of them. Dream a Little Dream of Me, I think was one of them. And then there's other one. Um, oh man, I forgot it. That was the one I bought the ticket for too. Anyway, they they were they were great. I went to there was her two like two plays I witnessed. Uh what else? I, I haven't seen enough. I haven't seen enough to say. I saw Hades Town recently, or actually a year ago. That's back at the Kennedy Center. Um, and a lot of really cool shows are coming to the Kennedy Center. So yes. It's a great season down there. It's it's yeah. great theaters back because DC gets a lot of great, not just touring shows, but like tryout shows. So yeah, good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I want to bring, bring if those a ring there. I didn't do it there because for a lot of reasons, but yeah. Um, I want to uh, ask you my favorite question that I love asking, which is what's your favorite theater memory? Theater memory. Well, I could say... I have some from like eighth grade. There's that, but that wasn't even, I was like an, I was Lucy uh, Van, what's her name? The Charlie, we did You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And I was in eighth grade and I was Lucy. And that was just a great time. It was double cast with someone. And so we, I got certain shows, she got certain shows. And it was funny because she got voted most like her character and I got voted best actress. So, and we were both playing this like absolute brat of a character so it was just sort of like mean to her that the director would like do that. Because so, I was like, oh, thanks. Like, great. Like, I acted like an like a jerk. And you are a jerk. Like, it just was. Like, she, <laughs> there, were moments, there were moments we had some tensions. But I was like, damn, you really just did it like that. But that was that was a while ago. Now, though, my favorite memory. Oh, man, there's just so much. I So I had um characters. I watched this show called The offer which is about the making of the godfather and francis ford coppola had like his actors do stuff in character like have dinners and stuff and i was like i want to do that like it's my turn to direct i'm gonna do all this stuff that he did so i had people go out into a park i forget which park it was in like tribeca by we we're at a we we're using a rehearsal theater down there and like basically people they'd go out into character talk to random people and as activists so or two of our characters, Mateo Juliet and the actors, um, yeah, like they would they would just go out and like pitch this event. Like you gotta come to the climate clock deck clock like countdown thing. And it was a real thing that was happening. So they'd go and pitch it. And Soro is used to be being an activist, the um person playing Juliet who like urged me to do the show, who I know through activism. She is an activist. The other guy wasn't, so she sort of taught him. And then like the conservative talk show host, the woman playing her, Katie, like would have to go out and heckle them and we like tell them in advance like hey like a bit like you know be cool and like 
they're like, are you okay with that? And they're like, sure. So then these two activists in our play would like go out, talk to people, be like, hey, come to our event. And then Katie would come back like, no, they are wrong. This is the left trying to brainwash you. And it was like this whole scene. And it was just like so funny. And like, then we just got back and everyone was like, wow, bravo. Like we did that. And I think it helped a little bit, but it was mainly just so that, yeah, it was mainly for a story, I think, to realize, like, you're not even acting, like, you're just playing yourself. Um, and that made things a little better, I think. So, yeah. It's amazing. How cool is that? Uh, so do you have any other productions or any projects uh, coming on the pipeline after this? I don't know. I do not. I have to apply to college. So that's my biggest thing. My my essays will be my next big writing endeavor, um. But I I don't know. The the thing is I can't force it. I gotta like like let it come to me. And when I'm inspired to write something, I will. And there's also so many other things to do besides writing that I love and care about. Um, and we'll just see. But I want this show to go on for longer. So that's the that's where I'll leave it. Is that like, this is it. This is not over. As well as it ring, it will evolve. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what I, what I've got for now. Awesome. Um, if our listeners want to get more information about the show or if they want to get more information about you and reach out to you, how can they do that? Yes. Okay. So the show go to the best thing to do, I think is go to, if the bells would ring, like if the bells would ring just that.com. Um, there you can get tickets. You can find out how to donate. You can find out more about the team and, the plot and there are a bunch of links and stuff so it's really great then sophie our um production manager made the site she's great and so then we also have uh an instagram at if the bells would ring and you have more updates there if you want to contact me i am at sorry at elson bankoff e-l-s-o-n-b-a-n-k-o-f-f um on instagram and my well yeah you can i would say just shoot me a dm i will respond and that's probably better than email because my inbox is a little bit flooded right now. So, yeah. <laughs> well, wonderful. Well, Elson, thank you so much for making the time today to thank sit you down for with having you. me. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. My guest today has been Elson Bankoff, who is the writer and director of the upcoming show, If the Bells Would Ring. Uh, it will be playing September 16th at 9.30 p.m. and then September 17th at 12 noon and 9.30 p.m. at The Tank here in NYC. Tickets are between 5 and $10, and they're available online. You can get tickets and more information at ifthebellswouldring.com. You can find them also on Instagram at ifthebellswouldring, and you can find Elson on Instagram at Elson Bankoff. And we're going to have all this information posted in the uh, description for the episode, as well as on our social media. Yeah. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. 
You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by The Midnight Suns and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.